Welcome to a brand new episode of Front End Happy Hour. This is episode 44 and we are joined by Shirley Wu, who has joined us to help us discuss how to sell an idea that will impact changes on your team or the business. We're fortunate enough to have Shirley back again. She joined us on episode 38 to discuss data visualization and is just couldn't get enough and is back again. <laughs> Shirley, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Of course. Thank you so much uh, for having me back. Hi, I'm Shirley. I'm back again because I was promised scotch and um, I wasn't given scotch last time. So then I was promised scotch this time. <laughs> and she's drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's no scotch, so I just need to come back a third time. <laughs> I, I feel like we just are going to keep that trend going. It's like you're just never going to get that scotch. You just I was, keep, I trying. keep coming back. I was actually really excited. I think I was doing a live stream earlier today, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to go to front and happy hour where we drink and we talk." And I think I'm, there's going to be scotch. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have like uh, what a disappointment. Scotch <laughs> next time with really, really good scotch. Like it has to be like the best bottles only. We can figure that out. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. My name is. Shirley. I'm a freelancer. I do software engineering and data visualization. I'm I'm actually, I don't think I'm fully qualified to talk about selling ideas. Come on, everyone is. You got you're, you're selling yourself right now. Yeah. Um, you didn't do a good job selling getting scotch though. I don't know. But yes, uh, so as a freelancer, I have to talk and work with a lot of clients. Um, and so I am semi uh, qualified to talk about this topic and my favorite happy hour beverage um, is some form of whiskey um, but after that uh, some form of stouts or porters are great also thank you right on all right let's also go around the table and give brief introduction of today's panelists brian you want to kick it off yeah my name's brian holton i'm also disappointed that there's no scotch <laughs> <laughs> brought some that's <laughs> true i'm stacy london i'm a front-end engineer at atlassian uh, I'm Augustus Yoon, front-end engineer at Evernote. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Convince. Convince. So if any of us say the word convince, we will all take a drink. All right. Well, let's start off. And uh, I'm interested to know... What types of things you found useful for having to persuade others in your career? Scotch. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, how do we get Shirley on an episode? Hey, we're going to have yeah, scotch. scotch. <laughs> we pulled that rug out from under. <laughs> That's actually funny. When I, when I started at one of my jobs, I wanted to get a, a different sort of server launched. And what one of the engineers told me is like, look, if you take a bottle of scotch down to this SRE, knock three times, say the password, then you can get it out. It's true. I showed up with a bottle of scotch, and we were able to get the server launched. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually true. This has happened. I I didn't do this, but they had a, like an, a job a while back. It was the same same deal. Some of the infrastructure um, team, like if you needed something, a server stood up faster, and they had like a queue of tickets that they were working off of. Like someone's like, "Yeah, you just go back there with a bottle of scotch, and like you get your, your ticket will get moved up to the top of the queue." And I was like, "This isn't fair." <laughs> And does it come down at that point of like who has the best scotch bottle? Yeah, Probably. that might have to happen. <laughs> so I guess the good thing is have alcohol on hand. Um, <laughs> bribery. Bribery, bribery <laughs> works. Yeah, that, that's true. I've also found useful like sometimes it's literally just writing out pros and cons of why we want to do something. Like if it's adopting a new technology or 
whatever it may be is like just actually putting the pros and cons together why we'd want to do that and getting others to weigh in that's sometimes effective sometimes it's a pain because you it just takes longer and everyone has an opinion so uh it's really hard to get a consensus i don't think you're ever going to get a consensus maybe i've uh, i've now convinced uh two companies yeah. to switch to prettier cheers uh relatively so if you're not familiar with prettier i'm obviously a huge huge fan of it i think it's a, an amazing piece of technology it's a formatter for javascript so you just kind of write your code you don't have to worry about indentations or anything like that it just kind of does all that for you and i'm a huge fan of it uh for a bunch of reasons but namely that i don't have to think about styles at all anymore it's just taken care of for me well if you ever want to get into the most pointless argument in the world just just bring up tabs and spaces and like people formatting their code that everyone has an opinion and they all suck right <laughs> like universally like i have acknowledged that everyone's opinion including my own sucks on formatting <laughs> So that's why I like prettier is it just removes the conversation. Like it's just no like no it doesn't come up on PRs anymore. Like none of this is, comes up because it's just not a possibility anymore. You could say you don't have to convince people. I don't have to convince people. Oh, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Hey, cheers. So uh, when you when you try and come in and tell people that like I'm taking away all of your formatting options, people kind of revolt. And this has ha- again happened to me both at Netflix and at LinkedIn. And so the way that I found to convince people, cheers, cheers. <laughs> is uh, not necessarily to tell them that like I'm taking away all of their options. Like that's not a very uh, persuading argument. Rather, it's to go in and just say like, sit down in this conference room, and I'm going to show you why you want this, right? And I will like walk them through the steps of like pasting code in and then saving, and it just shows up auto formatted. I walk them through like, hey, like look at all these comments in your PRs. Not all of these go away so that you don't have to fix them and I don't have to make them, right? And just like show them the immediate benefits mm-hmm. of doing it rather than trying to con- you know convince them. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> we, chose, we, chose <laughs> we, we chose a really bad word. Yeah, actually, um, to kind of go with that, um, for Evernote, we're in this uh, same, actually, so we also moved to Prettier, but um, same medium of that's been helpful, but for a different topic, uh, we moved off of Google Web Toolkit to React, or we're slowly moving off of it. And the way we did it was really, we just like show, we like actually did it and then showed that it, it really makes a huge difference to just be able to show someone like what it is. And I think another part of it is you, it shows you put in like the effort to like be like, hey, like I sincerely believe this is going to like make your lives a whole lot be- better. And you like put in that effort. I think it like really shows like a good impression on them. Yeah. So it seems like numbers and benchmarks and like how much more improvement, how much more improved like their lives are. So I remember something similar um, at my past full-time job, which was that we were trying to figure out how to move, where to move from from Backbone. So this was like 2014, actually. This was a while ago. Um, from Backbone, and we were trying to figure out, because at that time, React was still like semi-young. It was like about a year old, I think. And so we were like, should it be React? Should it be Angular? Should it be, um, I think we also looked at like meter and all of these others and so we like wrote out our pro con list and we like got everybody like all the front end engineers into a room we like talked through it all and it's kind of like you said there was like gridlock because we're like oh there's like pros and cons and all of them and we don't know like which and it kind of went on for a few weeks until like we were just like um at that time i think the part of the application that had the most kind of like spaghetti event kind of thing with the backbone was the part with the visualization tool. And I was like, you know what? Um, 
after these like weeks of discussion, I think like I'm I'm kind of leaning towards React and like I think they might like because I think Flux had come out around then and I was like, I think React and Flux might actually really help solve this very specific backbone spaghetti event thing that's happening that's giving us all these bugs. Um, and so I'm just going to like, you know, prototype and convert a part of our code over from Backbone to React. And then once I got that going, I don't know if it was just that people were like, um, oh, this is so much better. But I think it's just that momentum of like getting that code base set up and like kind of starting that motion. And people were like, well, it's too late to go back now. Yeah. <laughs> but also you're able to prove it too, that, yeah. hey, this works, this solves our problem. And you can also evaluate how long it took you, right? Like it's like, was this easy? Was this difficult? Is this a viable option? Yeah. Sometimes just doing it is really, that's very useful. Yeah. So I think I came back in like a week or two, maybe two weeks and was like, hey, um, here's like, you know, the core part of the problem we had and this is how I solved it. And I actually quite like it because X, Y, Z. And then that's how we moved to React. Very nice. I know we have Ryan Anklem to thank at Netflix for moving us to React. I think he just shoved it in. Um, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he decided like a feature. He was like, I am using React and just did it. And then like people were like, oh, I, I think there was a bit of a revolt at first. But then people started to be like, oh, OK, this actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know if that's the best idea of just shoving it in, <laughs> but it did work. So that could be another option, too. It's the whole like ask for forgiveness. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oops. That's, that's, There's a new framework. Like the asking for forgiveness thing um, r reminds me of how like I've attempted to do responsive design at multiple places where like that's been a conversation I've had at multiple companies. Like, hey, we should probably make the site responsive so it just like works on some smaller devices and it's nice. And having to do a lot of convincing, a lot of like why this is something, you know, people are like, oh, it's going to take like 12 times longer. You're like, well, not necessarily. And trying to show... Um, using not necessarily my opinion, but I would like, you know, essentially just be like, I'm going to copy and paste Brad Frost's presentation about responsive design and be like, Brad Frost says this, he's an industry leader, like, we should probably do this and, and use those techniques to like convince them of that. But some of the... Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> even to this day, like even in 2017, that's still something that I'm trying to like sell to to Is responsive design. Is responsive. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it was introduced so long ago. Like, why are we still having, you know, this that conversation? conversation? But Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the first time selling it too, and it was at an agency that I was at. And like, we were actually getting hired to build mobile sites. And like those mobile, like .ms, you know, whatever, yeah. like the actual mobile specific sites. And I guess they were a little bit web appy at the time, like they're pretty heavy JavaScript, but still at the same point, we were, I think the director at the time, him and I actually just built a prototype to try and sell up, like, this is what we should be presenting to clients is responsive design. Let's not make two separate websites, a desktop and a mobile website is like, we can build this to scale. And even that, I remember it was a huge battle of this was an amazing demo. And they're like, yeah, but why would we sell them on one instead? Well, we could sell them on building two sites. <laughs> and it, it did take some buy-in, but eventually it was something that we got. And I think having that demo was really, really useful. I think we've heard a couple things of migrating to code bases or adopting new technologies. Are there other things? What are some things that you actually have had to persuade others on teams or in the companies that you work on? Um, I had to do a lot with like trying to sell like single page application architectures um, to companies that were, you know, had very heavily invested in a certain other like traditional stack of stuff. 
And and for that, some of the big companies that I work for, something that I learned over time, this was like a maturity thing. Like originally I was just like, why aren't they listening to me? Why don't they just trust me? Like I know what <laughs> yep. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then realizing like, oh, but they also really trust Gartner Research. And they also mm-hmm. really trust these like research companies that publish these, you know, papers. And and I was like, oh, so if I maybe start referencing that stuff, maybe my voice will be heard um, better. And it and it did. So it was like this leveraging the community and leveraging resources and not just being like, trust me, I know what I'm saying. It's it's kind of like others also are saying the same thing and, and pro- like providing that um, that evidence. Was pre- yeah, presenting more than just your own opinion yeah. is actually backing that up with something mm-hmm. else. Yeah, yeah. That, that can do it. Yeah, we'll hope. I mean, it's been three years, but speaking for like younger audiences, those who are probably going through career fairs right now, definitely a lot of persuasion and selling of yourself. And like, it really helps to like do a lot of research. And like, I remember like when I was going to career fairs, like I had to do like tons of research and find ways to like persuade them, essentially convince them. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Sorry, I had to drink just thinking about it but yeah. no. but it does take a lot of effort to like be able to like convince people oh, <laughs> I, I thought I was persuade for a second but persuade people that you have the skills that they're looking for in the jobs that they're you know tailoring for like internships or um, like new hires that are straight from the college like um, it really um, pays off to like do the research up front to see like what skills that they're looking for and tailoring yourself to say hey I have those skills that's really good too. It also shows that you care about the company mm-hmm. that you're going to as well. It's not just like just give me a job. That's all I care about. So you're you're that also works for me. I yeah, just, just <laughs> knock on the door. You're like, you're oh. <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> Did that work when you're right out of school? Yep. <laughs> Actually, that's a really great point that I really didn't think of. Which is um, so kind of going off of that. I think showing that you care. But I remember when I was like. Um, going through the career fairs and stuff, I was in a little bit of a weird situation that like I was a business major and I had kind of switched to computer science in my last year, in my senior year. So I couldn't even do the convincing, the persuasion, et cetera, on just cheers. like my cheers, cheers. my <laughs> skill set, right? Um, and it wasn't even about like caring about, um, about the company and doing research about that anymore. And it was a lot about at the end of the day, when I got the offers for those, those like software positions, it was about my passion and like how excited I was to do software and like kind of having that story of, um, you know, where I was, which was I thought I was going to do investment banking and realizing that that wasn't for me and then switching over to computer science and like how much more I love that and that kind of story. Of, and then people really really appreciated that and I think that's probably something similar I mean I'm not saying this is gonna work but like I think from what you were saying I think the um having the like this is uh, how it was before and this is why I'm really excited to go forward with this this new thing or this direction and so that excitement and passion I think really worked out for me you stand out more too. Like I'll remember that versus like someone who's just like, I went and did software engineering. You're like, okay, cool. But tell your story of how you got there. And because you haven't worked yet. So it's like, that's difficult too. It's just for someone to like invest in you because that's what they're doing. They're investing that. Yeah, I think she's got what it takes. And I think, yeah, you probably stood out that way a lot better having a bit of a story. I like that. 
Yeah. And I wasn't even trying to be like, you know, using that to my advantage or anything. It was just You're like, just literally, honest. like, yeah, that was, and I wasn't, because some people are like, oh, maybe you shouldn't highlight the fact that you only have like, you know, two semesters of coursework. And I'm like, no, like, this is something that I really, really care about. And I'm really excited. And I really want to get into this field. And I think that, yeah. Yeah, maybe and this is a shift from like personal promotion, but back to kind of like mm-hmm. a software uh, argument about like, if we should do X or X or Y. Um, I had this very recently where we were having this discussion about um, how to approach building out this API. And they're like, Stacey, what are your like, what are your strong opinions about this? And I was like, well, I shifted it because I was like, it's not really me. It's not about me. I was like, I the argument that I'm making is for the the user experience, how fast this page Mm -hmm. is going to load, how it'll affect the user, like how how this will help the person using our thing and having empathy towards that. That's the argument I'm making. It's not me. Like I'm, I'm not, it's not about me. And I think shifting the argument when you're talking about those things mm-hmm. that way, um, it's, it's, it builds empathy across the team. Like it, I think it makes things less about, you know, egos in the room as opposed to like doing the right thing. Yeah. You shifted it from being like, no, it's not just my opinion or this is what I'm like looking out for is like, what's the best product or what's the best thing we can build for our user. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I like that. And building empathy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great, like, phrase. Like, having, like, people, like, view it from another perspective, mm-hmm. essentially. Because it's so easy to be like, oh, this is just what they want. But mm-hmm. it's like, well, what are they doing it for? Yeah. And that, like, really changes. Yeah. And I think another thing is also just sharing, like, the trade-offs. Because I, th- I think that even if you're talking to like a new framework, which we always talk about, hey, if you're on Ember and you want to move to React, like how do you convince them Who to does do that? that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's trade-offs for it is like that's going to be a costly trade. It's going to take time, but maybe you're faster because of it. Maybe it is a better user experience. It's more performance. Like there could be a lot of reasons why you would. It's like, but there's also reasons not to do it. And I think it's also being aware and sharing those reasons up front and just kind of outline outlining that a lot more up front i think that's a really good point i remember when i was at a full-time job a lot of my um so the people that i needed to convince were usually product managers cheers those damn product managers i, I was i thought for a second are we choosing to product <laughs> i was like why <laughs> why are we drinking it and i think that's a really good point because to them it was a matter of customer needs for us and our time as resources, and then balancing the decision between having us as resources being dedicated to our customer needs or wants versus basically sometimes when, um, because some of the things that you're talking about are more kind of technical, like technological. And so it's not about, so it's kind of opposite of what Stephanie was saying. It's not as much about um, customer stories or needs, but like kind of um, about like, you know, if it was switching uh, frameworks or I think there's actually a very specific memory that I have, which was one time we wanted to have a, oh my God, an engineering story. I like don't even remember these phrases anymore about sprints, but um, I think it was an engineering story. We wanted to do an engineering story because it was um, our, I think like layout algorithm was taking really massive amounts of time to calculate. And so uh, my teammate at that time had gone in to talk to the product managers and they were, and the product manager was like, okay, well, tell me why we should, you know, do like we should commit your time into this engineering story about improving um, 
the layout algorithm. And um, she had gone in and was saying, I think, I think she she came from a lot more of a technical background. So she was talking about how interesting the algorithm would be, <laughs> and how how um, yeah, how interesting and fun it'd be to implement. And I was like, oh, um, and on top of that, and and it, that comes back to what you were saying about um, kind of selling it from the user's perspective. About um, and then I I remember adding in that. Um, it would also really speed up performance. And like this layout algorithm change would speed up performance and would overall be a great user experience. And that was the kind of thing that like, as soon as we said that, the product manager was like, okay, done, let's do it. And so I think that's also a understanding the priority of the person that I'm trying to persuade um, or the group that I'm trying to persuade and like their priorities and like what they're basically trying to balance. Because at the end of the day, I think these selling these kinds of things are a form of negotiation. And with negotiation, I think I dropped out after two weeks from that class. But in my negotiations class, I was taught to first understand the priorities and motivations of the person I'm talking to, and then use that to my advantage to convince them. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to end it, though. I like that. That's a very good point, is that you're leveraging what they want and Mm -hmm. just using that to your advantage. So if they care about the user experience, which most product managers do, or if they want to move some metrics, you're like, this is how it could improve the performance. Yeah, I like that. I think uh, something definitely to keep in mind when you when you are trying to persuade someone to to do something your way, um, the waterfall method never works, right? It's you can never go into a new company and say mm-hmm. this is all shit. We're going to spend two and a half years rewriting this in a, another language. We've all tried it. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. And everyone's going to look at you and roll your eyes. Like, yeah, like that never works. Like it never works to convince people to like rewrite, you know, whole technology stacks or whole products or anything like that. The term rewrite should just be thrown out of your vocabulary unless in ex- very, very extreme circumstances, right? You're going to be much more successful in, you know, agile sprint based, um, more towards uh, piecemeal migrations, right? Mm-hmm. And it's even better if you don't tell people it's a migration. <laughs> <laughs> you need to avoid that word. It's a dirty word for so many people. And what you do is you say, is like, yeah, like we're going to add this new feature and in the process we're just going to like modify the existing code to use this not piece of shit framework and use this new one. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. oh, that sounds so much better. <laughs> I used to do that where, um, so I was at fault for really liking to refactor um, code because I just really hate after a while, there is just so much baggage to a code base, right? When there's like so many people working on it. And so I was... I was really bad at this, but I like would, you know, refactor small pieces of the code base. And at first I would tell people that like, hey, I'm going to refactor, like I would tell the PMs and um, the overall scrum team, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to refactor blah, blah, blah. Um, And after a while, I started to only tell my teammates. And then just exactly like you said, I'd be like, on top of a feature, I just secretly refactored. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, the important thing is that my teammates knew what I was doing and what I was about to do and that they agreed with it. And I think that's also another reason, uh, um, another lesson I learned, which was that I need to get buy-in from my teammates for what I'm doing. And that's really, really important. That is super important. Yeah. yeah. Unless like, you're Ryan Nickel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he, he might well, have had I'm sure some he, buy-in. I don't know. Uh, no, like I, I think there is a time and a place for just, no, I just, just yeah, launching shit. And yeah, just yeah, say like, like this happened, happened 
like get with the program. It like it makes sure it's not gonna get you fired, but like yeah, there yeah. is a time and a place. There's a time and a place I think where it is sometimes someone has to make a call and go for it. And I know actually when I was at Evernote, uh, the team I was on, they weren't using a uh, CSS uh, preprocessor at that time. That was like something that it was hard not to. There was just so this the CSS was craziness that dealing with it. And I remember being in conversations where it was like, oh, well, maybe eventually we'll do it or which one should be used, lesser SaaS. And I just finally one day was just like, fuck it. And just like did it and, you know, implemented a bunch of it in SaaS. Uh, it was like a few new features. And I started to just pull some of the old legacy code base, just get us to where it should be. It was like, the legacy stuff I didn't care about as much. I could just like throw it in a SAS file and it would it would uh, transpile and we're good. But it was one of those times where I felt like, yeah, this conversation has gone on and on and on and on. And it's someone's just got to bite the bullet and just do it. So I think one like evening, I just sat there and like moved everything. Yeah, I just put the style winter stuff in. Like, yeah. and I didn't have to convince people, I guess. There wasn't like an Cheers. argument against it. Cheers. Cheers. But I was like, Ding. I just, I'm just doing it. Here's a PR, like... Um, so that one, I guess, is not the point of this podcast. I didn't actually have to talk to people and be like, this is a good thing. No, I totally agree. There is like a time and place where you should like talk to your team and get buy-in versus just like yeah. it, the conversation. It, clearly, it's never going to get done. So right. just do it. And then that conversation becomes so much easier. It's like, hey, it's done. It's like a yes or no kind of thing. Yeah, it, exactly. And that's exactly what happened. And actually, the engineers on the team were all happy with it. But it was more just getting buy-in from the director. For some reason, he needed to buy in. And it, it didn't really make sense. <laughs> so it was just like, well, screw it. Now it's done. It's ready to go. Yeah. Well, and I think Stacy brought up a salient point that just open a PR and say like, look, this is ready to go. You just click merge and we're done, right? That's how you got uh, how you got that in at Netflix. So yeah, yeah, there you absolutely. go. Actually, like whenever we moved to Prettier, that's literally what happened. Someone just did it. And that, like, cause we were always like, oh, what configs do we want to use? And it was, it honestly was just like, what, just, are, what are we arguing here too, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, and that's the other thing. Like once the PR was up, it's like, okay, well now we just, we know what to tweak. Yeah. And it's just like, change this config it's like big deal it's like yeah nobody you can, cares you can have that conversation <laughs> after the fact exactly too. i think yeah a good technique for that to too would be like here's the pr hey if we find that this isn't working for us we can over time adjust it and uh -huh. we don't all have to have this like massive discussion about every config possible for it up front and you you can even throw out the word agile. Let's be iterative about it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Those kinds of things. You'd be like, we, we can adjust this over time. It's all going to be okay. Calm down. <laughs> have there been times in the past where you've like really messed up and would have changed how you uh, tried to convince others? Cheers. 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 Uh, I think we kind of talked a bit about it just kind of uh, in multiple places but I would be sometimes more selective in the information that I would share with different people just like you don't need to go to the you know the director of product and get into nitty-gritty technical details because then they're gonna get overwhelmed and say this sounds like a lot of work no right mm -hmm. rather you can get buy-in from your team like uh, was mentioned and then just go to the product and say, like, we're building an extra bit of padding into the sprint to make sure that we have high code quality. And that high code quality is rewriting everything really quickly. <laughs> so I'm going to add in a little bit about freelancing because I know I know you had previously asked about um, what was the question about freelancing? Yeah, you sometimes have to persuade a client to either make changes or maybe it's just even getting them to go with you, right? Like you're you're 
get them to hire you? Yeah. So um, I think I was mentioning this to Ryan earlier, but um, I'm in the extremely fortunate position that um, most, if not all of my clients come to me because of my portfolio. And so they come to me because they have a specific case a specific use case that they want to build out and they come to me because they like my style or what I've done and they want something similar. So in that sense, in the overall scheme of things, I usually don't have to sell a client on a project. I think the only thing was, the only time that was different was I did something for Google and they wanted me to um, do something with their search data. And then in that case, I had to come up with a proposal and I think I came up with like four. So I did that with Nadi, who I do a project called Data Sketches with. And she and I, I came up with, I think, four or five different proposals, um, ideas about what to do with the search data, and then they picked one. So in that sense, I'm not as, I don't think I'm as experienced when it comes to like pitching and selling a whole project. But um, after, you know, selling that and getting the contract written and getting started, there are the tiny little details of the like, that iterative feedback of, um, you know, sometimes getting uh, getting feature requests or being asked to do something that, because oftentimes um, the uh, clients that I get aren't necessarily technical. Um, and so then that's why they're coming to me for my skill set. And in that, in, in that time, it's actually easier to sell them on um, a change, a technical change. If they ask me for, you know, something that they think is going to be really, really easy. And I say, hey, like it seems like a trivial amount of work, but it actually takes X, Y, Z. And I kind of list out um, the steps it might take and like how much longer it might take. And a lot of times with clients, because um, sometimes I'm, I think, hour, so uh, I'm, I'm billed hourly and sometimes I'm billed on the project. But especially if I'm billed on the hour, like a lot of times they'll be like, oh, in that case, that like that's okay I don't want you to spend your time on that so a lot of times it's kind of like with contracts especially because I do a lot of short-term contracts it's kind of like um either if it's hourly or if it's by the project and they have a deadline I say hey I can do that for you but is that your priority because if it's not then um I should actually be doing this other thing that is actually your priority so I think that's that's a lot of it um and I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about understanding the priorities and motivations of the other side. And so in that case, it's kind of really trying to understand um, what's the most important things for them out of this project and then um, going off of that. I also really like that way back from the start there, you said about your portfolio. I think that's really, really useful. It's like <laughs> you've literally have this portfolio of work of this is my style. This is what I do. And, and in a way, you're selling yourself just by having that work of portfolio. It kind of reminds me of when I look for tattoo artists. I'm going to them for their work they do. Mm -hmm. They don't really have to sell me on it. It's like, I've seen their work. It's great. I want them to do that work and that style. And so this kind of goes the same thing with like your work is someone's like, Shirley does this really well. This is what we want. Let's go to her. And so I think that's really cool. I think that is a great way of selling yourself. Yours is a perfect example where the portfolio site does a really good job. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, for me, portfolio is just like an aggregation of all the things I've done because I've like 
random things all over the internet of like projects, you know, in different domains. And, um, and I have my GitHub and I have talks I've done and like workshops I've given. So it's kind of just an aggregation of everything. But it's, it's funny, um, to talk about that portfolio because, um, I actually want to say, uh, if anybody's looked at my portfolio, um, it's actually very like pink and blue and pastel-y and like really, really feminine and kind of really girly. And I'm like really happy with it and I really like it. But actually before I launched it, I was really scared because I was like, maybe I won't get any clients because it's so girly and people might be like, oh, she's not professional. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm really happy with how it looks. Um, and, and so I kind of launched it like on a leap of faith. Um, and I remember there was one client that said, hey, I've, we found your portfolio. We liked it because of the color, color, color palette and style and everything. And that was a moment when I realized like how happy, one, it made me super happy, but two, it's kind of like what you're saying um, about my style that it actually eliminated like it, it means that I don't have to work with the people that don't like myself, that don't right. like that it's exactly. pink or blue, or because that's pretty much an expression of who I am. And if they don't like that, then they won't contact me, and I don't have to deal with that. Because um, would you want to do something that's not like your style? You're getting pushed yeah. in this direction that you're like, I don't really want to do that. So you're you're making it clear, and that that's great. That's cool. Yeah. I th I th the one thing I wanted to bring up with like regards to the portfolio, it, you can kind of take that same line of thinking and apply it like internally to a company. Like, so if you join a company and then immediately say like, I want to come in and rewrite everything, they're going to tell you like, you just got here, <laughs> hold your horses, right? Like, <laughs> and like, it's super tempting to do, especially if you come in and you see that, you know, everything's on fire. You want to say, I want to put out the fire, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just need to like get some cred first, like get some projects underneath you and then realize, and then also get to work with the code base and really find out what's right and what's wrong with mm -hmm. it. So sometimes it's better to temper your expectations going into something and wait before you actually try and sell them on whatever big plans that you have. I like that too. And I think it's also talking with your teammates. I think of that perfect example is like when you join and also understanding what are some of the things that they've been wanting to do. Maybe they all wanted prettier already and they already wanted to move to all these things, but you can also understand why they haven't. And that could help rather than just being that guy who comes in and is just like, we got to change everything. We got to <laughs> rewrite. This is terrible. What were you guys doing? Like, why? And there's there's probably a lot of valid reasons why they haven't yet. Maybe it, they actually do want to, but they just haven't had the time or someone hasn't championed it. Maybe you can be that champion, but it's really understanding why. Yeah, be the observer when you first start somewhere new. Yes. Like, that. like right. Be the observer, talk to people, find out the history. Get to know like the product managers, get to know the devs, like figure out like why things are the way they are. And then and then maybe someone's just defeated. They've tried too many times to 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 push something through and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Then you can be like, what did you try? Figure that out and then be like, maybe there's this other angle that you've got that you can you can help try and continue to push it through and what be be the advocate. What happens if you've tried many, many things at a company or with a client? At what point do you stay at the company or go? Like, what do you, what, what is that barrier? Like, what makes you think about that? Oh. It's <laughs> a tough one. dark one. This is getting dark. Well, I, 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 could, I, could, I guess I could speak to that because that was basically the reason that I had left a company several companies ago because I had tried to push for doing like more of a modern web development stack, more like modern platform, bring in. Um, more focused developers, so not just um, 
like a full stack developer, but start having roles built out for front end um, to try and change the whole landscape of how they did development. And that was so hard because it's a very big company mm-hmm. and you can try very hard, but you know, you're just list, like one tiny piece. Um, so as much as I tried and tried to convince, like it just, it wasn't happening. And like, how many years do you stay at a place where you feel like you could be doing good work? But if you can't, at that point I was like, I'm not important enough at this company to convince a shift in the entire way this company does something. Especially if you feel really strongly about it and passionate about it. There's probably some other company or team that is doing that work. And so even to Shirley's point of if they wanted her to do some very corporate cold colors and not these like warm pastel-y colors, like that might be enough for her to be like, yeah, it's not really my thing. And knowing that is actually really good is like, what do you want to do? And that might be driving you to be like, I've tried and I've tried to get us on the right track. Or in your opinion, that's the right track. It probably was in that case. But yeah, it's like, don't, don't stick around too long I think at that point I don't know what the magic number is though yeah I don't either and I think it's just more about your happiness too like if you've tried multiple techniques and it's not really working then maybe at that point like it's it's your happiness you're spending 50 40 50 hours a week doing this thing like you should probably be happy and there's a lot of companies out there that probably will be doing the thing you're advocating for you just have to find them I actually, um, so on the one, on, on the part about when do you decide to leave, um, there is a really, really great piece of advice that I got. Um, and it was, it was basically when I was deciding whether or not to leave my old job. And the piece of advice was always make sure that you're not running away from something. That the reason that you're leaving is not that you're running away from something, but rather that you're running to something. And I thought that was such a great piece of advice because like, sure, there's a lot of things, a lot of times there's probably something about your job that really, really sucks. Like overall, it's probably a really great job. There's like that little minute thing that like, you know, takes you off. But like, as soon as I heard that about like, you know, stick it through if like yeah stick it through until you find that something that makes you so excited that you need to leave and go to that next thing and i yeah that's like something that i've been keeping with me it's such a great piece of advice yeah yeah because even in that point you might not like something about the job but make sure that you're not going to the next job that has the exact same thing that that does happen yeah it's like you're so unhappy that you're like i just need to change and then you end up really not changing you're just going to another place that has similar problems yeah what advice would you share with others to or who are looking to convince their team to make a change cheers Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) just do it no (laughs) ship it ship it it. (laughs) honestly i i think um lots of like good things um but i i do want to like bring up like two points that um brian and stacy uh said which include like you know especially well i guess if you're coming in like be an observer for a bit you know really understand what the core problem is but assuming you've been on the team for a long time like really like um it helps to show that you put in an effort but then also like have a plan because um actually i didn't get a chance to say it but what hasn't worked in the past one time was uh i think a a developer on one of our teams wanted to do something and he actually did make a PR. It was all like, kind of signed off, but then there were all these open questions of how we go about like, oh, like you want, like how do we get this localized, blah, blah, blah. Like really like kind of have those things kind of thought out and makes like that discussion a lot easier because if you have like all these open questions, like it's really hard to get like people to buy in and stuff. 
you can't just like do it. Yeah, show that you've thought of, thought through all those angles and like the like exactly what I was saying with the trade off. Think through them exactly. and like oh yeah, when you have that PR, you could put all that information in there and show that you're the, this is a thoughtful thing. I'm not just shoving this in. Mm-hmm. And I guess also going off of that, be ready to own it, right? Like once that PR yeah, goes in fair. and people are going to start coming to you being like, well, um, blah, 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 doesn't, didn't work out for me. Like what do I like? Or, um, you know, I think you said something earlier that reminded me of like every single time Facebook changes their layouts and people just kind of revolt and then they start getting used to it. <laughs> but like something, but when the people are rebelling, you just have to be the owner that is kind of like addressing all of the questions and all of the anger um, and kind of champion it forward. It's 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 kind of hard, but it's a lot of work. But if it's something that you really believe in, then I think it's quite worth it. I'd say pick your battles. Mm. Um some of them are not worth fighting and don't fight all of them at once that's oh so true <laughs> yeah like don't be uh don't get in a land war with russia and then <laughs> that sort of thing right um yeah like if you have a bunch of things you want to change pick the most important one and or pick the, the easiest win right those are kind of the two things i usually optimize for like what can i win quickly or what's going to be the biggest win and then everything else can kind of just come later be um be a communicator too like if you're going to make a change um and maybe like a significant architectural shift in something uh explain it to the team and then just like constantly communicate about it like hey um i'm leaving for a week on vacation this is the current state of where this is at this is how you need to run a command to do the build process it's like if it's in flux or something like you're changing how people are going to work with this library or work with this set of things like just make sure you're constantly communicating that out and be like i know this doesn't work right now i'm it's in progress i will get it working by the end of next week in the meantime this is how you do something to do what you need to do especially if you're in like distributed teams where like everybody needs to work on this library if you're making big changes to it you have to make sure you're really communicating that well i think that's i think that's something that is missing from a lot of uh uh deep deep engineer types that are like I'm re-architecting but you also need to tell people about it (laughs) so when I when I launched Prettier here whenever it fails the build process it actually says you didn't pass Prettier here's a wiki link so mm-hmm. that shows you what, what you didn't do. And uh, the first week I had one of the backend engineers that had no idea even worked on our code base. they like, thank you for putting that there because I didn't have to talk to anyone. I just went and read the doc. <laughs> yeah. the command and I was done. Yeah. That's, that's, awesome. that's actually awesome. You put your name there even, but well, you would have just probably sent him that same link. He doesn't have to get blame. It's literally just here. This is the information. I really like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll echo all the points that everyone's made. I think those are really helpful. And I think another thing, just sometimes some you have to be bold and champion something. I think Brian kind of said that a little bit, but sometimes you just have to put yourself out there and really be bold and make a change. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Cool. As we wrap up the episode, each uh, episode, we like to share picks of things that we have found interesting and like to share. Let's go around the table and share picks for this episode. Shirley, what do you have for us? Hey, so I was thinking about this earlier, and the first one I have is kind of like self-congratulatory, but uh, we had a D3 on conference earlier or last weekend, I think, and it was it was really fun, really exhausting, but also really fun. Um, and I think uh, a lot of people 
seem to have had a good time or I guess only the people that had a good time told me that they had a good time. <laughs> but um, I just want this community uh, to kind of be aware that there is such a thing as D3 on conference where we get together annually every single year in San Francisco for two days and we um, talk about all the things to do with D- D3 and um, in the wider spectrum about data visualization and how it does with like other frameworks or how it does in like neural nets or a lot of whatever the community wants to talk about we talk about um, and it was a really great time so that's my first pick and the second one is um i just finished the stormlight archive like a few weeks back and the third one which is oathbringer is coming out and sometime in november and i'm just really excited to go to the book signing by brandon sanderson so that's my second pick great brian what do you have uh, i have two picks one of them is a uh, size limit it came out this week from evil martians it's a npm package i'm i love build processes (laughs) as we've probably well established previously so what size limit does is it actually tells you what the size of your like your project's going to be gzipped and it just kind of like you can put like budgets on there and things like that it's a really cool piece of uh technology super excited about that it's from the same team that did post css as well nice uh and then my second it's from emily haynes and the soft skeleton uh Emily Haynes is the lead singer of Metric, so this is her more solo album. And the latest album is called Choir of the Mind, and I'm listening to it all the time, so you should definitely check it out. Metric's so, so good. good. Yeah, one of my favorites. Nice. Stacy, what do you have? So we've got two picks. Uh, always a music pick. So uh, music pick is uh, Oceans by Valis Alps. Um, oh, it's just a, such Alps. a like happy, summery track. Like. I, I went, uh, a friend of mine was visiting the other, last weekend and we like drove up to did a, do a wine tour in wine country and we drove back and I think we listened to that song on repeat the whole way back. So <laughs> sunshine, <laughs> California hills and like it was just very picturesque and it's a great song. Um, my second pick is an artist that goes by the name Beeple. His name is Mike Winkleman. Um, he's actually from my home state, Wisconsin. Uh, he's from Appleton. Um, he posts something almost nearly like every day. Um, his Instagram feed is is phenomenal, uh, very inspiring. Someone who's just like really working to get better at their craft by just mm-hmm. doing something every day. So I really appreciate that. Um, so the link will be in the in the notes. Nice, Augustus. What do you have? Yeah, I have two picks. Uh, one is images.guide. This is like a website that Adi Osmani recently like opened up. It's uh, like a free ebook on. Um, essential image op- optimization. That's and, awesome. Yeah, I thought uh, I I haven't read the full thing, but it looks pretty pretty good, and I like the domain images.guide. Wow, so cute. <laughs> that's perfect. So cute, right? So, yeah. so uh, that's my first pick, and then the second pick is um, leadcode.com/articles, not just leadcode.com. Um, I don't know how, or actually, you can just navigate it from the nav bar. But um, I really suck at tech interviews, and like, there's like leadcode.com's articles like have very in-depth like there's the problem but then they give you like all these different solutions and they go very in-depth of how to think about going about the problems i like really struggle at tech interviews so i thought like reading like the solutions that they have is like super super helpful like they'll tell you like tricks so like oh this is like a trick you can use for like string problems and stuff so like someone like me who really sucks at these i think it's like really helpful or someone like everybody in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not the only one out oh, there. Oh, that's fair. Everybody. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. I have uh, two picks. My first one is a music pick. It's old, but I found myself listening to it recently while I was doing some coding was the Social Network soundtrack, which was done by Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Such an amazing album. Like I kind of forgot how good it was and just found myself that one was on repeat for a while. Really good. So definitely something to add to your playlist. And my second pick is a Netflix original called American Vandal. It is hilarious. If you've watched anything like Making a Murder, The Keepers, or listened to the podcast Serial, it's basically a satire to all of those. Uh, so <laughs> I don't want to say too much about it, but okay, like the watch it. the oh, bo- I'm I'm sold. If it's a like Making a Murderer, it's I'm a sold. Making a Murderer. Uh, it's about a high school kid who draws penises or spray paints penises on a bunch of cars, faculty members' cars, and yeah, they yeah go into the whole like, who, did he do it? And, um, it's hilarious. So I highly recommend it. I, I'm not done the full series yet, but I'm about halfway through, and I I think it's hilarious. So definitely check that one out, American Vandal. Before we end the episode, I want to thank Shirley for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on here, as always. Uh, second time on here. Thank you so much for having me. I'll be looking forward to the scotch in the third time. Yes, uh, we definitely owe her some scotch. Where can people get in touch with you? Oh, yeah. So uh, my portfolio website is sxywu.com. Um, same exact thing for my Twitter. I am now live coding on Twitch. Yay. Archiving everything on YouTube. GitHub, same basically everywhere same handle great and i think the last time you were on it was you were just about to do a twitch like i think like that was one of the first ones yeah i think um i had just set everything up and i was just about to yeah i think i was just i was still thinking about it yeah yeah, yeah. right on awesome yeah. well i'm glad that you've got some out there <laughs> it's been great yeah. I've, I've watched some there it's actually really cool to like when you like have a problem and you debug through it it's pretty cool. Thank you. And I think the really, really great cool thing is that like people actually help me debug. And it's so much faster because like there's obviously like I'm like pretty confident in like D3 and SVG and all of that. But like um, the other day, like there was something with promises and I'm like really bad with promises. And like um, and share helped me debug through that. So people help me debug. People teach me about ES 2016. Um it's been a really amazing, great time. Cher is awesome, too. Cher is so awesome. I think awesome. Cher also t- taught you the difference of let and con. Yes. I saw that tweet. Cher so lives. great. She lives in St. Louis, I believe. Okay. Yeah. When we have budget, we'll have to fly her out here. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> we need her on an episode, yeah. that's for sure. Or when we, we're, or if you ever go to St. Louis. Yeah, we need a conference in St. Louis. Strange Loop. Yeah, Strange Loop is in St. Louis. All right, that's a good one. Let's go to that. Happy Hour Tour of the States. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. Uh, we need a budget. Someone needs to sponsor us. <laughs> and we need a tour bus. bus. Yeah, yeah it's a tour <laughs> bus. <laughs> Can you imagine us all in a bus? I'm pretty sure Jem would just like rip us all apart. (laughs) Old man Jem. He would leave us on the side of the road. (laughs) All right. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. We'd love to hear more about stories that you've had to do with convincing people. Cheers. Cheers. Tweet at us at FrontNHH. Any last words? Convince. All right. I'm convinced. Cheers. 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 Cheers.